Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Content Clearinghouse. I'm Brett Chisholm. I'm Josh Evans. And on today's episode, I'm talking about the fascinating story of entertainment gone awry with a real-life Truman show, except somehow more horrifying set in a solitary confinement cell without even the basic necessities for survival. Oh, and it's Japanese, so you know it's crazy. If you like your genitals covered with eggplant emojis, then this is the off-top for you. Nasubi! Then Josh offers up a blast from the past with a lateral twist, an expansion on content that we both already love. This is something I may have already consumed, but somehow forgot about because I'm not on NZT. He's not talking about the Limitless film. Nay, sweet listener, that would be too simple. We're talking about an extension on that universe, a show that expands on everything we already loved about the movie and somehow improves upon it. So gulp down your daily dose of NZT, stop holding out on us, send us any spare NZT pills you have in your possession, and then go watch the somehow canceled after one season network television show, Limitless. Movies, shows, and video games, podcast books, and their acclaims, let their favorite content become yours. It's the Content Clearing House. And it starts right now. Brett. Josh. How are you? I wish you would stop asking me that. <laughs> it's part of the show, buddy. I don't actually care how you are. <laughs> uh, well, now it feels weird if I actually answer you. I, I feel stretched a little thin. My dad is selling uh, the house that I grew up in. Oh, man. Yeah, my dad awesome and my stepmom house. are moving. And I'm moving a lot of boxes. I, I have stuff there. And so now it's in a storage room or a storage facility. Is that sad? Is what sad? Leaving that, having that house. Yeah, it's so, gorgeous. Oh, man. It's it beautiful. It is such an awesome place. But I'm excited for him. It's just a lot of uh, lifting things. You know what it's like to have a bad back. Do I ever, buddy? I feel like I'm channeling you today. Oh, gross. <laughs> don't do that. You don't want to know what it's like. And I'm also very embarrassed that I didn't know that this shirt was from Attack on Titans, but I hadn't seen it. <laughs> now I know about it. Between episodes, you explained to me Attack on Titan. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Attack, Attack on, on Titan. Titan. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to the last episode. What are okay. you crazy starting on, what is this, episode 85 something? Don't yeah. start here. Start on episode <laughs> 84. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the perfect place to start. Yeah. Brett has a pretty crazy Attack on Titan shirt on, the skinned face on it, and we are recording in person this episode, and the last episode, I was just staring intently into his shirt's eyeballs the entire time. <laughs> it's kind of freaky. My favorite thing to do on Los Angeles layovers is walk to this vintage uh, t-shirt shop, and they have like vintage like sneakers. It's mostly shirts. And it's a lot of bands, but some of it I just, I love, I'll just stand there for like an hour or two and just look at like shirts. What is all like secondhand stuff? Yeah, it's all secondhand stuff. They had That's a Batman cool. shirt that was $150. I'm not really into Batman. <laughs> <laughs> a little change of heart since last episode, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'll try to find a picture of it if I can really quickly, but uh, uh, this is just happening on the fly. Let's see if I can find the Batman Well, you know shirt. us. We love flying. <laughs> and we love Batman. <laughs> yeah, true. True that. Uh, so other than selling that house, everything's good? Everything's great. Yeah. Thanks for asking, yeah, but yeah. not caring. Yeah, it's more of a format thing, but... <laughs> I thought you were going to say formality, but yeah. it's just a format. Both. Format and formality. <laughs> it's how I live my life. The two Fs. Yep, exactly. So what's up with you? 
uh, I'm just uh, pretty much, you know what I've been looking forward to? Doing this show in particular. <laughs> Brett, I got a doozy for you tonight, buddy. Oh, a, do- a content doozy. A content doozy. You're going to drop a content deuce? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this. Uh, once again, Brett and I are recording in person, which if you listen to the last episode, you know we never do. We never and do. It's been really awesome. And I've had a lot of fun, and I'm just ready to just get right into this thing. Oh, I'm very excited. Well, then should we get cracking on my off top so that we can get it over with and get to your content piece? Oh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Before we do that, let's yeah. welcome uh, any new listeners to the show. Um, if you are new, I'll give you a little rundown of what we do here. We always start the show with an off-topic discussion, or like Brett said, an off-top, if you will, which is something that we found fascinating, non-content related usually. And then we deep dive into a content piece, which is essentially a profile on a piece of content, a movie show, video game, podcast, or book, something that we love and we think that everyone should be consuming. It's the very impetus of this show. We want to deep dive into the stuff and convince you, the listener, why you should love the same kind of content we do. So with that in mind, Brett, why don't you off top us? That was well said, Josh. Couldn't have said it better myself because I don't. But I, I do want to show you this Batman shirt. Oh, man. $150. Holy shit. Yeah, was that from Dark Knight Returns? I have no idea. Yeah, I think that's what it is or something. Everything in the shop is vintage. They Some usually Frank run Miller like Batman. They usually run like 20 or 20 25 bucks. $150 for Jesus. that bad boy. It was on a special rack. Once I saw the price, I put it back very carefully. Yeah, well, you don't want to punch your hole through the Im- your hand through the image on that shirt. No. Okay. Well, uh what do you think when I say the word nasubi? Nasubi. Some, some weird shit from someplace I've never been. <laughs> Obviously, you don't speak Japanese, and neither do I. But that hasn't stopped me from enjoying a lot of Japanese content, especially Japanese reality shows. Interesting. <laughs> this is so Brett. Right <laughs> it now. really is. As I'm wearing a Japanese manga <laughs> shirt are. that I didn't know what it was from, I just thought it looked cool. Yeah. Um, so a few of my favorites: uh, Takashi's Castle, which was redubbed to become the hilarious Spike TV show. Most extreme elimination oh, challenge. Man breaks the captain's sword. Uh, Baba, Baba Gadoosh. Yeah, that was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. Mine too. <laughs> um, I also like Love Is Blind in Japan. One of my longtime favorites is the Japanese reality series Terrace House, which includes the original Terrace House, Terrace House Tokyo, Terrace House Aloha State, Terrace House Opening New Doors, Terrace House Boys and Girls in the City, Terrace House uh, Boys and Girls Next Door. I have literally watched every version, every season, and even had repeated viewings more than I would care to admit. What the hell is Terrace House? Oh, I haven't talked about Terrace House. Oh, this is a rabbit hole we could go down for a while. So it's three boys three girls living in a house together with a bunch of hidden cameras and they just live their life and that sounds boring and maybe to some people it is but if you're interested in all in japanese culture mm-hmm. like oh and they have comedians that will like comment on it so like you'll watch maybe like 10 or 15 minutes of like these people just living together as like flatmates and they don't know each other they're all selected for the show and they're just navigating like finding a job and getting groceries and maybe going for a swim in the pool. They usually put them in a really nice place, like really baller. So it's not like they're trying to like mess with them like American. No, TV no, 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 show, no. American not in this reality, reality show. No, but then, you know, maybe some of them will date. Maybe some of them will date other people, but it just, it's like a great kind of uh peak into how different Japanese culture is to American culture. And that's 
like American reality, you know, there's people getting drunk and yelling at each other and all these like over the top antics. And in this, they'll have like this little interaction and like, it's like a blink and you'll miss it. And I watch it, you know, it's, it's all just subtitled. Um, now, is this like a popular show in Japan also? So it was very popular in Japan. And then Netflix got, if I remember correctly, Netflix got the rights to it. It just went bonkers on Netflix. And then Netflix actually brought the show back and started adapting the show like specifically for, so they produced it, but it's, it remained either in Japan or they would have like uh, a season in like Hawaii. So they would do it in the United States, but it's still just like people from Japan and but like for some reason american audiences like it struck a chord with them it's like really entertaining it but, seems like it would have to be a different chord than it struck with the japanese audience because i don't think japanese people would be that intrigued by a peek into japanese culture I, it's pretty that. huge over there because i mean so it it's kind of like a lure to it for, yeah for yeah like no there definitely audiences. is you're kind of you get you know you kind of get invested in these like people's lives but it, i just think it's so interesting because you'll they'll just like be talking to each other about something and have like a little disagreement. And then they'll go to the, like the comedians and the like commentators and they'll be like, Oh, I can't believe what just happened. That was insane. Did you see the way that they blinked? Like dishonored him. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, you know, very, very like sensitive, um, culture, but the, uh, with all that content consumption, in addition to my frequent work trips to Japan and my just general fascination with the culture, the story of Nasubi still slipped through the cracks for me until now. So I want to talk about uh, the the reality TV saga, Nasubi's story. And I'm, I my notes are a little bit scattered on this. I wish that I had put together a little bit more coherent of an outline. I haven't seen the show yet. This just came into my purview. I listened to a really good American Life, this American Life episode. Um, it was called Human Spectacle. And it was probably one, there's like a lot of articles about Nasubi too, I'm going to link to in the in the notes. But in 1998, there was a young aspiring comedian. Um, I think his name was to Tomoaki Hamatsu. I think that's how you pronounce it. But he's better known as Nasubi. Nasubi is the Japanese word for eggplant. And he got that nickname for having a long face. But Nasubi eggplant kind of ties into this a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So he was cast in the show. He kind of started out um, at you know getting getting cast in like a room full of strangers, and then they kind of whittled it down to him. And then the producers said, "Hey, we've selected you for the show." I think he was like 22 years old at the time, and they said, "This is a little bit of an experiment. We're not even sure if this is going to air, but if you want to sign up for it, you can." And as you know, he wanted to get into comedy. He thought that this would be a good opportunity. And so without, so without really knowing what he was signing himself up to, he agreed. So they took him to an apartment with like no windows, like nothing really in it, no television, um, just like a bunch of magazines on a table. And then they said, okay, take off your clothes. (laughs) And he was like, are you serious right now? And he wasn't uh, as con- as the way I understand it, he wasn't concerned with the shame of nudity, but there was already some hesitation from his family. His father was a cop, and he was concerned about his father's views because his father was already like a little disappointed in him wanting to pursue comedy full time, and like the one thing his dad didn't want him to do was like strip. 
or like take off his clothes <laughs> for thing. entertainment, something like that. <laughs> so specific. So here he is. They're they're telling him to you know take your clothes off before he even knows what he's getting himself signed up for. And so he's like, okay, I mean, this could be a big opportunity for me. So he strips down to nothing, and then they say, you're going to live in this room, and you're going to only live off of what you can get in sweepstakes. So the show is called uh, Denpa Shonen, and it, it was a particular segment on Denpa Shonen, and it was called Sweepstakes Life. So, he, so what, sweepstakes like... It was like it was like look, it was like flipping through magazines, oh, okay. and you could like send in like cards yeah. to like win things. That's very old concept. So he, he couldn't eat. Oh if my god! He had to like win his clothes. He had to win his clothes. He had to win his food, and he couldn't leave until he won a million yen from let sweepstakes. Him die if he didn't win food. <laughs> That's crazy. He might have gotten pretty close, actually. Oh my god! It's this is a wild story. It's mind blowing. So, uh, basically, it was like, once you get to a million yen, we'll set you free. And that's about 10,000 U.S. dollars. That is so, like, that is... Dude, this story is wild. Oh, man, that is disturbing, kind of. That seems like something out of a dystopia. So, he didn't eat for two weeks. Yikes. He did not eat for two weeks. They provided him with water? They gave him water and a little bit of bread. And they weren't even, like... They, they wouldn't necessarily like film him. They had a camera in there and they said, oh, by the way, like every two hours, just like tape out the take out this tape, put in a new tape and we'll come and like pick up the tape. By not, the way, you got to win new tapes. <laughs> not allowed to call his family, not allowed to call his friends. And the what? crazy thing is. He sounds like a prisoner. He And he also says he didn't sign a contract for this. But in Japan, you kind of continue doing what you say you're going to do. You're like, you're, you, you stay true to your word. And so he's like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. Do you have any guesses at how long he stayed basically in like a windowless entertainment free room for? Four years. No, not that long. Oh, okay. Two days. I think in total it was one year and three months. Oh my but there's God. a couple of twists and turns that I got that I got to tell you about. Did he win any content? Because I would go <laughs> he crazy. He did. Okay, good. He did. But some of it was like, it excited him at first, but then it would be like really disappointing. Like w- at one point he won a television set, but he didn't have any way to watch, like to plug it into anything or like oh watch God. cable. I think at one point what, he did he won... have to win an entire electrical system for the room? <laughs> <laughs> at one point he did like win something he could play on the TV. I can't remember if it was like a game or a video, but he like would rewatch it over and over. He'd play this game over and over. And then finally he'd be like, okay, if I want to eat, I have to keep like go back to the magazines they give me and send in sweepstakes. So how he... is he? So he's just flipping through, finding cards, submitting yep. them and hoping he's the one person that wins, even though you yeah. never and he would just that's all he would do it was sweepstakes life he won a bag of rice i think two weeks in that was like his first thing besides a little water and a little bread um he won some sugary drinks um the rice he couldn't cook the rice so again he was like oh thank god like food like he started he was very gaunt like very quickly like malnourished and I, he put the rice in water and he like put it next to the heater. And if he left it there long enough, it would become like a like a porridge. Ugh. So this is basically like a like a social experiment. It to was see a, like how he could if he could survive. That's the that's the way that the producer built it. But mm-hmm. there was a lot of controversy about like what is you know what is entertainment, what is exploitation is kind of the idea of this show. It's like slipping into Running Man territory. It's pretty messed up. Yeah. It's I could totally up. see how our reality 
TV obsession could it's one day it's going to be people dying for entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And this, so, um, one of the like weirdest things about this is he didn't think this entire time that this was airing, but not only was it airing every week, but at one point there was a camera live streaming it 24 hours a day. So people could tune in at any point and watch, watch him. And Nasubi, they used an eggplant emoji to censor his private parts. <laughs> so it kind of like solidified his nickname. Oh my God. The show that is so disgraceful. So uh, this American life has a theory as to why this caught on so much in Japan. Uh, they were going through an economic recession. They were basically in a boom for like 50 years. What year? Then, uh, it was in 1998 is when this show came out. And the internet was pretty new too. So yeah. Yep. Al Gore invented it, yep. right? You know, and then it just really took off. He's a true, <laughs> true scientific and technological legend. <laughs> Alfred Gorson. <laughs> that his name. Al Gore for short. I have no idea. <laughs> so, um, the just to give you an idea of the popularity of this show, and so I, I so what kind of they their their best theory was is that because this was a recession and people were like, you know, losing hope and struggling a little bit, they could kind of like watch this show and laugh and find humor in it. They, they, you know, he would be very despondent in this show, but then they'd add like goofy sound effects and like silly like letters. Exactly. Like at least I'm not a sweepstakes prisoner. Exactly. They're like, at least I'm not an Asubi. Like I have it better than him. So the show, so to give you some, some frame of reference here, game of Thrones, I believe at its peak had about 9 million viewers. This show had 16 million oh my God. viewers. And that's in Japan, Jeez. which is like half the population of the United States. So this is just locally airing. This doesn't like, yeah, it's the early internet. Yeah. It's not like this is like being broadcast worldwide. Yeah. So I think about um, a little less than a year in, he achieved the goal, a million yen. They like came in. They like, you know, they took him to like an undisclosed location. They're like, hey, we're going to set you free, yada, yada. They took him to Korea and they like release him into Korea. Why? He like start, you know, they give him some clothes. He's like walking around. He's doing some sightseeing. He's like having trouble like being outside. He feels like he's very like slow. He like can't really converse with people. And then the producers just hit him with a punch. They're like okay, we're taking you to this room and to get back to Japan, you have <laughs> Season to two. You have to earn enough to get your airfare back to Japan. Why don't you just give him the million bucks and be like, fuck you, I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have the million. He didn't, so one of the things yen. that he says in yeah. this is like he earned, an, he earned enough to get free, but he didn't have a million oh, yen. They weren't giving that to he him? He didn't have anything. He didn't have, he just had whatever he had won in that room, which was like food, you know, at one point a TV, like just like very, very basic stuff. Question. What kind of shitty sweepstakes has a bag of rice as a prize? <laughs> I mean, he was stoked about it. This seems like maybe the producers were making up sweepstakes that he was quote unquote winning so he could eat. Like, so what, I mean, why would that be a prize? That's, that is suspect at best. Dude, all this stuff, like, so this entire time he doesn't even know if this is going to air in his mind this is not ha- like this is not airing but it's airing live it's airing live and he is a household name everybody's talking about him there's ramen ads that feature him that he doesn't even know about but he never got any of those royalties well i think he did become like spokesman for 
uh, different products like later, but we're, we're not there yet. My he's God. in Korea. He decides. So he did tell them, he's like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I guess the, the, like the brain, the brains behind this operation just convinced him to do it. They just talked him into it. And it's he was like, like, like okay, show, I'm just, like, it, it is a prisoner, like in a prison cell. And they of like compare a this a lot. City. They compare this in the episode a lot. They talk about the Truman show a lot. God, I bet that messed his brain up. Like the solitary. It did. Of it. it did. So, so he won enough for his airfare back to Japan. He, he goes to Trap Japan on the plane until he can earn so a they, sky bridge to so get they, off. They take him back to a windowless room in Japan. Oh my God. Why? <laughs> this is, this is this a guy, year poor guy, dude. and three months in. He instinctively is just like, okay, here we go again. He takes off all his clothes and then all four walls (laughs) fall down and he's in front of this giant studio audience with two hosts. Everybody's like cheering and laughing. He's extremely confused. He doesn't know that any of this has been airing. He doesn't know that he's a household name and they just start interviewing him and everybody's like laughing at his confusion. Did they even tell him to take his clothes off this time? No, they didn't. He just did it. He just just did it. That's that he is, was that's his comfort zone now. That's his comfort zone. He's Yikes. so after he like got out of the situation, not only did he have a difficult time adapting to fame, but he said that it was really uncomfortable for a long time to wear clothes. He was like very hot, very sweaty. Super He's, itchy, probably. <laughs> super itchy. Yeah. What kind of clothes are you wearing, buddy? I know your pants like blow apart every <laughs> once in a while. I'm super breezy back there. <laughs> You know, they make like non-itchy clothes. Well, I don't know. He probably <laughs> forgot that burlap wasn't clothes. <laughs> so he he said that it was like really difficult to talk to people for about six months afterwards. And to this day, this is kind of crazy. He says, I mean, he's trying to, I think, like fit this in a self-narrative that he's grateful for this experience and this opportunity. But he says he would work with that guy again. That producer that talked him into it. Why? Yeah. That so is yeah, this insane. is. Uh, this is the 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 story of Nasubi. Is there anywhere you can Sweet watch that, life. or is it like strictly through something like This American Life, getting the secondhand account? Of I'm it sure that you. I mean, you can find anything. I haven't done a lot of digging to find. Uh, like I've seen clips of it, and I've heard a lot of clips, and I've read numerous articles. So here is what. Nasubi looks like today. Looks pretty well adjusted. And then totally here's like one of the Whoa. here's one of the clips where he was like completely emaciated. Yeah, he looks like a zombie in that at, clip. At one point, psychotic eyes. <laughs> at one point, he w- he had like an action figure that was like his sensei, and he was like talking to his action figure. And again, like to somebody that's been living in isolation for a year, like that seems pretty normal. But to TV audiences, like they were just, he was just like entertainment value. You go totally crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the, one of the worst punishments you can subject a human to is solitary confinement. You know, it's like, and like the prison system, they consider that almost to be like cruel and unusual. It's like the prison within prison now. And then, yeah, man, that is a really twisted thing to do to a human, but still, I want to know right? what kind of sweepstakes offers rice as a prize. That is the What's most wrong? disturbing part of the rice whole thing. To me. 
Get out of here with your rice hate. I love rice. Not that I hate rice, but like, what the shit kind of prize is that? If you're starving, that's I know, the but best the prize. Sweepstakes didn't exist for someone that's starving in a room. That's clearly a prize. Like, oh, you can win this bag of rice. I would be stoked. I know we're in a recession. To but win rice. I love rice. I'd rather but, have rice okay. than a TV. Let I don't me, know what I do let with me, a TV. Uh, let me propose a question to you. <laughs> can't wait if you were entering a sweepstakes and you're like this could be my chance if i could just win this this could change everything and then they're like surprise you win uh-huh. they show up with like uh, balloons and stuff at your door and they give you a bag of rice how pissed would you be that's the prize well i i just can't believe that somebody would resign themselves to a fate like this for so long and i'm surprised that they could actually get away with making him think he wasn't on television and the entire time everything he's doing is being aired. I mean it's got to be cultural differences but I'm also sure it is. in the early era of the internet when like the concept of like 24-hour streaming wasn't like well known mm-hmm. then I could see maybe that but also it didn't seem like he did his due diligence before <laughs> joining this show. He really should have had his his dad look at the lack of contract maybe totally. give him some pointers oh my god that is so disturbing dude yeah and it it didn't really do what he set out to do which is to you know he was he was hoping that it would launch his career in comedy um but it is still a big part of japanese pop culture and television history in general but i'd still never heard of it um even with like seeking out like kind of you know is he doing okay today i don't know but this is another picture from when he was living it's, in the room. Uh, him brushing his teeth with psychotic eyes and eggplant over his dick. It doesn't <laughs> look like he's doing too hot in that picture. That's not the face of a mentally healthy man. But no, no I, I think he like gives talks and you know he has like a really optimistic, cheerful attitude. Nasubi seems awesome. That's what I'm saying. Don't mess with Nasubi. That's crazy. I mean, one thing yeah. definitely missing from his life was some content. <laughs> so. Uh, What's on your content, sir? You've been watching a lot of Nasubi videos. That was a perfect segue. <laughs> I ha- I have actually, ever since hearing about this story, I have been doing some Nasubi deep dives. I would really like to try to find the show, but it might just be like a little too horrifying to watch with hindsight knowing you know, what I know now. But anyway, my normal con- content circuit, uh, Succession. Oh, man. I've binged it. So good. I've seen it all. I think I might have recommended it to you. I think you did. Or at least I reached out to you and asked you if if Succession was worth watching. Absolutely loved it. Something about it is I've been like reading what people's thoughts are on succession mm-hmm. like i love like the subreddit on succession because the family dynamics are just so interesting and there's so many different like theories and you know the characters like nobody's likable like that's a huge draw of the show like Have everybody's oh i finished it you know it's something that i, I had a theory about succession it kind of got derailed with season four but up to season three i was like wow Every single character is actually the opposite of what I thought they were. Oh, like, that's interesting. Like, uh, like Kendall in the beginning, you're like, oh, he's like the businessman guy. Be like, no, he's actually the ultimate fuck up. And then, <laughs> um, what's what's Roman? Uh, Roman, Roman, yeah. Like you think he's like the the playboy idiot, but you're like, oh, he's actually one with all the business acumen. Yeah. And then Shiv seems like she's super well put together, but she's also like. Just, she has like terrible ideas and she's not good at leadership. Mm-hmm. But then like season four came around and I felt like it got all kind of jumbled up. 
But up to season three, I really felt like everyone was actually the opposite of the way that they had been initially portrayed, which I thought was really interesting. interesting. Well, one of the things that I liked um, in kind of the after, it's like they do a deep dive on each episode at the end on mm-hmm. a lot of the HBO shows. And I think it, it might have been the last episode. So spoiler alert if you haven't seen Succession, but the you know there's a a moment where all three kids are like they all are just getting along they're hanging out they're having fun and i was like wow this is so refreshing like how nice and then it all comes apart of course and then the writer of the show was talking about how this was basically like a shakespearean tragedy and the moments of hope only existed to make it worse for you when everything came apart and i was like oh like what expert writing but like It really, it's gripping, but it's also, it is a tragedy. It's really good, though. It's really good. I didn't watch it for the longest time because, like, I don't really care about, like, business shit. But I started watching it kind of, like, on a whim. And then I just, like, went all the way through. And right as I finished season three, season four came out. It was, like, perfect timing. And you know I can mainline some content. So that was, like, within a month. Yeah. I started, like, a month before season four released. I didn't even know there was a season four coming. So it was like the the perfect timeline for me because I just watched it straight through. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, man, that show is amazing. And also, after watching that, actually, I think I had like a, a week gap or something between when I finished it and when season four came out. And then I went and I was like, I want to watch more crazy business stuff. So I went and watched The Wizard of Lies, which is about... Oh, I haven't uh, seen that. It's about uh, Bernie Madoff. Okay, Robert De Niro yeah. plays Bernie Madoff. Oh, nice. It's really awesome. And I watched some other business shit i can't remember what it was but like other like business drama movies and oh, shows nice. yeah because like that really like piqued my interest about that it's just like a world that i have no knowledge of and will never be a part of you know like <laughs> some kind of like corporate you mean you'll never be a billionaire like exactly. bruce wayne I, man i wish the it's the superhero starter kit for the real world being a billionaire <laughs> now i'm kind of insulted all the billionaires who aren't superheroes like oh, elon man. musk flabby body come on <laughs> should be a batman by now <laughs> i mean that's kind of the physically jeff bezos is getting there yeah that's daddy true. bezos has been hitting the weights yeah he is yeah he's kind of at he, i think maybe they all reach a batman stage if they uh if they billionaireify early enough in life that they can just dedicate all their time at some point after they sell their company to just chiseling their body out you of know stone. maybe they need a tragedy they need you know both parents to get Somebody start killing these billionaires' parents. (laughs) You know, the succession, one of the interesting things that I saw was, uh, you you know, the family, I'm sure you know this, it's loosely based off the Murdoch family. And it's it's not that loose. Like, it's supposed to be uh, heavily inspired by real-life events. But they obviously, it's fictional, and they take a lot of creative liberties. Um, But I just, uh, I, I read an article that one of the, family members in the Murdoch family was cast away from this yacht trip that the family was taking because he was caught providing details or allegedly providing details about the real Murdoch family to the HBO writers of succession. I was like, that is wild. Well, he just got disinvited to this yacht trip that they were all taking, which feels like a very succession thing to happen. Like that's exactly the kind of thing that would happen in the show. So insulting. You didn't go on one of the 57 yacht trips your family took while you were alive. So I don't know if that's art imitating life or life imitating art, but it's like a blend of the two. It was probably just, he was providing such good details that it just kind of 
predicted what would happen. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, it's just so realistic. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's very realistic for a reason. Tom. Tom's my favorite. Oh, my God. Everybody Tom loves Gans. Tom. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, like, crappy wine that he comes out with that he, like, really tries hard to like, but it's just really disgusting. And Greg. You know, Greg, oh, I looked Greg. up on IMDb. Greg is the only character that's in every single episode. Oh, really? It's really strange. I remember seeing that in the, in the IMDb. I was like, is this show actually about Greg? But it's not. <laughs> it's not actually about him. It is if you want it to be. I mean, kind of. But he's the he he's the only character that's in every single episode. It's so strange. You know, if he did nothing, again, this is up for conjecture, but he could have inherited $250 million from his grandfather, I think it was. He blew it. And, you know, because he, like, tried to play all his cards and get all involved in the Murdoch family, he's just sort of, like, under Tom's thumb in some whatever position they can get him in, making, you know, $200,000 a year instead of the $250 million he stood he to Tom inherit. he had Tom whispering in his ear. Yeah. And Tom was not a good advice giver. Well, Tom didn't have his best interest in no. mind. Tom only cares about Tom. Yeah, Tom wanted to make <laughs> Greg a lackey. What do you call him? What, <laughs> what is... He has some derivative of the word Greg that was like real demeaning that he, oh, I can't remember what man. it was. Go watch Succession. You guys tell yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's when they put the wine in the blender? It's like super aerating the wine or something, <laughs> some which I, I heard shit. is some something that people do, but in perfect Connor form, he like wasn't, he was like overdoing it or wasn't doing it right for people that oh, God. Like he's know so, what he's actually he's so doing. Depressing. Oh, I love such that. a sad sack. <laughs> just that's what happens when you have endless wealth and absolutely no hobbies yeah totally you're like Those ah. millions on a stupid presidential campaign but hey gotta get that extra percentage of a point uh, the con heads he's making a difference yeah exactly <laughs> con heads god i love that show okay other things on my circuit secret invasion marvel show i'll always watch a marvel show yeah it's pretty good and then uh, every night before bed i watch community i thought you were gonna say evil dead no nope that's me no you know uh my uh my dad and stepmom started watching the exorcist the original exorcist we started talking about this because i learned from madeline that this the the movie is based on a book and the book is based on a real life modern day exorcist uh exorcism that was done in a catholic church in st louis university and um a journalist like covered it in one of her classes that she took in college and was like going in depth about it. I don't know. It's very interesting stuff, but I was like, Oh, you guys are unwinding from all the moving and packing you've been doing by watching the exorcist. Josh would be so proud. I told him that. (laughs) (laughs) I told him how proud you'd be. How, uh, how disappointed was your dad (laughs) that I was proud of him (laughs) that you were that I was proud of him. Uh, I'm sure he feels just fine about it. Perfect. Actually, he was like, what are we doing? And I was like, what are you guys doing? And then Marty just really wanted to watch The Exorcist. So I mean, it's a pretty crazy movie. Oh, I saw a trailer for The New Exorcist. And I didn't even know there was a new one. It's coming out, and it looks terrifying. Does it? Oh. Man, I didn't really like Barely demon watching. shit at all until Evil Dead, but now I'm, my interest is peaked by that. Yeah? Yeah. Well, is it... Ju- is it- like in the exorcist universe it, i think it's like a reboot just oh interesting yeah but there's two girls instead of one and it kind of takes there's one moment in the two trailer girls, one exorcist <laughs> <laughs> there's there's two girls the two girls that are possessed like start ta- like their hearts are beating in sync or they're talking in sync oh. and it reminded me of evil dead 
Oh, that so, sounds awesome. So I wonder if they're gonna if Evil Dead's gonna be retconned into the Exorcist universe. Maybe. That's Maybe they'll mention the Necronomicon. Well, speaking of demon stuff. Yeah. What's on your con- uh, content circuit? Oh, mine. I almost uh, said conhead circuit. Con- <laughs> <laughs> Are you um, a conhead? So, remember I told you I was reading The Lost Fleet again for the fourth time? Yeah, what, 17 books? Yep. So, <laughs> I'm, uh, so they, they have a, a new-ish series. It's on its third book. And the third book just came out, which is the reason why I read the previous 17 books. I wanted to make sure I had some context. Of course. But I just got into the new series, which the first book, it's a three-part series right now. The first book of it came out like two years ago. So I just got into that. And I'm actually like reading them all in order. I was surprised like, wow, I actually was missing a lot of context. I did not remember everything that happened right up until the mm. start of this book because it starts right at the the end of the previous book, which is really interesting. So now I'm like more excited than ever to read those three books that are in the final oh, trilogy. Oh, nice. Uh, and then I. So you've uh, gone through all seventeen already. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, for the fourth time. How do you have time for your <laughs> nightly Evil Dead watching? It's called a content circuit, buddy. Oh, okay. We discussed this on the last episode. There's always just a book that I'm in the middle of, a YouTube video I'm in the middle of, a movie, some show, a couple of YouTube and a videos. podcast. Yeah. But speaking of YouTube videos, I also found this really cool. Uh, I think the channel is called Insider, but they do these. Uh, they do these episodes that are like jungle warfare expert reacts to jungle warfare scenes in movies or skydiver reacts to skydiving scenes in movies it's really awesome hey you did one of these episodes did i yeah well you did a uh you were the expert uh contentologist slash skydiver on fall risk oh yeah that's true i'm a big fan of that podcast but i haven't listened to those two episodes because I haven't seen Drop Zone and Cutaway in such a long time, and I can't find them anywhere for free to watch. Oh, uh, you got to buy them on Net on uh, Prime. Ugh. Maybe that's why I like this Insider Channel so much because it reminds me of me. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a that's a really cool uh, YouTube series. And nice. um, other than that, mentioned on the last show, but man, I've just playing been playing so much Batman lately. On the Steam Deck. That's great. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Played through three out of the four Batman games while I was on vacation. And it was the best. You know, I'd say that's the closest you'll ever be to Batman, but y- skydiving is probably the closest to Batman you'll ever be. Skydiving gear is totally Batman, too. It is. Yeah. It is. I have no rebuttal to that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, how about we take a quick break, and then when we get back, Josh is going to lay some content into my ear holes. We are back, and I'm guessing you're not going to talk about Nasubi. Well, I wasn't going to, but now. (laughs) Uh, Brett, what if I told you there was a piece of content that is all about, quite possibly, the most alluring and addicting concept that has ever been put to film? This is a concept that any thinking person would find instantly intriguing, and if this possibility is placed in front of you, no matter what level of willpower you have, you'd be powerless to resist. Would you be dubious? <laughs> dubious. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now say I am dubious in a I Russian accent. I am dubious. <laughs> Perfect. Are you talking about one of the shows? Well, we could or talk one about of the, the uh, movie that we, we could talk about the original Limitless for hours. We could. Yeah, but uh, we're not going to. Ah, uh, but we'll gush on it a little bit. I love Limitless. So, the Limitless 
film was directed by Neil Berger, 2001, a film starring Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro. And it's about, you know this. Hey, I'm just giving some context. I know you know this. Wait, Robert De Niro? Yeah, he's in it. Was it Limitless, the movie? He plays Carl Van Loon. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. So it's about a flailing writer, Eddie Mora, depicted by Bradley Cooper, who finds the mind-altering nootropic drug NCT-48 that enhances his cognitive abilities and sends him down a destructive and alluring path of addiction. So, it's one of the best movies ever. It it's really on, is. It's on a movie list to watch. With Madeline and I have a very long list because she is a little bit of a, a amateur contentologist herself. She might actually be more of a contentologist. She's just undegreed. Most people are not, not a not a Harvard pedigree like us, but uh, I could probably print her up a degree. Actually, <laughs> um, well, you know what? Tonight's content piece may just expand that list in a lateral direction. Okay. All right. I'm confused. Well, good. So uh, expand the list in a lateral direction. Yeah, if you already have limitless on your list, we're expanding down. You a mean I just pathway. have to turn my phone sideways so it's like horizontal? It's a of... vertical video version of limitless. <laughs> okay. So the movie is based on a 2011 book, The Dark Fields by Alan Glenn, which I've read. And the book follows a similar story structure with a few changes made by the movie. I feel for the better. In the book, it's a flailing writer, Edward Spinola, who finds MDT (laughs) that enhances his cognitive faculties and sends him down a destructive path of addiction. The main character being renamed to Eddie Moore in the movie, much better. And MDT being renamed to NZT48, much better in the movie. But in the book, the Russian thug is given a, a name, Gennady. I like that. Like I think of them, him in those terms in the movie now. But that's just the framework for the story. Uh-huh. The real star of Limitless is NZT and the effects it has on the main character. 100%. And those effects include hypermind, or the ability to process and understand massive amounts of data, perfect recall, instant learning, instant data analysis, omnilingualism, superhuman charisma and dexterity, multitasking, superhuman sensory absorption and instincts and hyper competence in any field and something about that concept really speaks to me like a drug that makes you a genius with unrivaled powers of observation and problem solving and it's not <sighs> meth i think <laughs> i think this speaks to everybody i know i can't imagine anything more addictive but limitless is a story of addiction with all the ups and downs of such a thing the perceived advantages and the inevitable downfall associated with this type of behavior and there is a serious downside to NZT. So now in an impression of just about any drug commercial you've ever seen on TV, the side effects include <laughs> memory loss, extreme paranoia, rapid aging, encroaching psychosis, blurred vision, hearing difficulty, difficulty understanding speech, time displacement and blackouts, and probably anal leakage. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I added that one. Now, where would you put getting laid a lot? <sighs> would that be a benefit or a... Uh... One of the oh, side effects. That's definitely a superhuman charisma and dexterity. That's in the uh, that's in the benefit pile. But before we move on, I want to mention that this time watching Limitless, the movie, it actually kind of filled me with dread and anxiety that I don't usually associate with media. Like the first time I watched this film with you in the theater, I thought I would take any side effects for the primary effects of this drug. It was so alluring. But this time I watched it, the side effects really came to the forefront. Like obviously all the physical effects like memory loss, blackouts, loss of time, and all the brain health issues, but also the decision-making side effects like Eddie Mora's idea of always moving forward without any regard to the consequences. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, think the, I think the primary reason for this perspective shift is age. 
The first time I watched it, I was young. I was 31. I still felt invincible. But now I'm 44 and my body has aged. My back problems have compounded. I don't heal as fast. I'm more aware of my own mortality. This had directly affected my outlook on Eddie Mora's journey and the effects of NCT 48. Oh, that's interesting. But God damn it, Brett, I still want some. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to cover the film, but decided I was just going to watch that as a primer for the real meat of this piece. But before we get into that, do you have anything that you want to say about the film Limitless? Because this is one of the, I this is like one of my first like awesome content memories with you. Oh yeah, was watching Limitless. This is a good one. And then I remember afterwards going out in the parking lot, like being so jazzed up, doing like I was like, oh check this out, and do like a hood, the hood slide across my yeah. car exactly. <laughs> That's one of my core memories, buddy. <laughs> well, can I can I tell a funny story about this? Yeah. So Talk we were, about Limitless. That's we were sitting in the back of the movie this. theater. I had seen Limitless once, I think in theaters already, because it was still in theaters. There's no other way I could have seen it. And then we watched it together. And for some reason, I thought you, like, I, I felt the need to lean over and tell you when he, when uh, Eddie opens up the box and there's like the hand that's severed hand. Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. Sever, there's a severed hand in a box with like tattoos on it and it's like been positioned to give the middle finger. And so Eddie opens this up and he's like, Oh, he's horrified by it. And I lean over and I whisper to Josh, uh, like that's the bodyguard's hands. <laughs> and wh- what'd you say, Josh? I haven't had my NCT today, but I can still follow the plot. <laughs> and we instantly broke down into like, <laughs> like doubled over with laughter. I'm sure everybody else in the theater thought we were uh, a little out of sorts, but uh, the other thing I want to mention about that movie is the awesome like filming technique. I don't know what you'd call it, where the the camera, when it's trying to sort of put you in... Endless Tessellation. Endless Tessellation. That's my new band name, buddy. Ooh. I need to put a band together just so <laughs> I can just so I, I can endle- endlessly tessellate with I them. I need to learn how to play an instrument so I can join the band. <laughs> yeah. I love that technique. It's like very interesting and I think it captures when he's like manic on the drug and he ends up like kind of waking up somewhere with like a limp and a, you know, bloody lip and he like doesn't remember. Like the night started off well. He it's like, like did, before I knew had all I was these way up town. all these successes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, such a good movie, oh, man. It's so good. Yeah. So, Brett, you anything else you want to say about Limitless? Should uh, we move on? We should move on. All right. Did you know there's a Limitless TV show? I ha- I have seen some episodes of this. Oh, my God. Is it good? It's so good. It's uh, Is this what you're covering? It's a, yes. It's oh, a, my god. A one-season TV show, and it expands on and improves everything that we love about improves the Improves it? An expansion of the Limitless sim- cinematic universe, which gross <laughs> the lcu yes exactly uh, so the first episode of the show aired september 22nd 2015 on cbs and later aired on usa man so, this is network television when's is. the last time we covered a tv show that wasn't from a streaming service i don't know but this it's so good so the show takes place four-ish years after the end of the film limitless and uh it follows jake jake mcdormand who plays Brian Finch. He's a lovable loser who has squandered his potential and gets a second lease on life of being awesome when he crosses paths with the mythical drug we all secretly and not so secretly want in ZT-48. And this sets him on a collision course with the FBI and Special Agent Rebecca Harris, played by Mrs. Dexter Morgan's sister, Deborah Morgan, the actress Jennifer Carpenter, who I'm sure you'd remember from Dexter because she's his sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dexter's sister. 
So this leads to a police procedural viewed through the eyes of an NCT-powered super crime-fighting hero, Brian Finch, the new Eddie Mora. Oh, so he's like a detective in this. Sort of. He works as a consultant for the FBI because mm, he, can take, he can take money. NZT with outside effects. Oh. Wait, so how does he do that? You just have to watch the show. Oh. So both of these pieces of content hinge on you loving their protagonist and buying them as the world's smartest man. Like Bradley Cooper totally embodied this. I still think of him as Eddie Mora anytime I see him in anything. Like American Sniper Eddie Mora, The Hangover Eddie Mora, Rocket Raccoon Eddie Mora. <laughs> I was going to ask, but you beat me to the punch. Yep. And Jake McDormand, Jake McDormand as Brian Finch does this too. Even though I can't remember ever seeing him in anything before, even though he was apparently in American Sniper with Eddie Mora, if I had <laughs> oh perfect gosh. recall afforded by NCT, I probably could have remembered that. Was but. it a star is born with Eddie Mora? I don't know. I this mean, it would fun, be. It's a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah any, any Eddie Mora movie is starring Eddie Mora. So if I see Jake McDormand in anything from now on, he is just Brian Finch. Okay. And I hope he do because he's great. I want to see more than one season with him. So the showrunner and creator of the Limitless TV show is Craig Sweeney, and he worked on several shows that I've never heard of. The 4400, The Code, and Medium. Like, none of those ring a bell to me. Have you seen any mm, of those? I've heard of The Medium. Yeah, it seems kind of, kind of, I have some awareness of it, but I haven't seen any of those. Yeah. But he was apparently good enough to catch someone's eyes. They let him create this show. And he said that Eddie Mora, you know, Bradley Cooper, that guy, was instrumental in selecting Jake McDormand to play oh, Brian Finch. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It's really cool. So they respected Bradley Cooper's input enough on the character and the story that they'd hire him as a casting consultant. I guess so. I mean, he... So some quotes That's from, super interesting. There's, a, there's this article in the Australian press. It said that Bradley is very passionate and sort of sentimental about Limitless. It's the first movie he carried to success as the leading man, so he holds oh, the property awesome. close to his heart. And the two actors met on the set of American Sniper, and Cooper, I mean, Eddie Mora, championed for <laughs> Jake McDormand to get the role of Brian Finch. I thought that was awesome. Wow, that's interesting. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so he had this to say about the concept of the show. He said... I thought about what the elements of the movie were that felt essential to me and the things that I responded to. The first was the style and panache of the visuals, and the second was the story of the guy whose life was turned around 180 degrees by this drug. I really just took those two things, like if you boiled down Limitless, that's what you'd be left with, and we built outward from there. And that is a perfect conceptual breakdown for this show. Who would have known the creator of the show could boil the, down, the show down in such a concise way? That's yeah. I mean, seriously though, that one of the okay. So another thing about the the movie that I like always look forward to the scene. I've rewatched Limitless. I can't believe I didn't remember that Robert De Niro was in it. But as as soon as you talk about Limitless, like one of the scenes that I think about is the first time he takes NZT, and it sure it's like shows like a X-ray view of the pill like going down his his uh throat and then the land lady or the the landlord's Her like girlfriend or whatever it's like jiggling well she's well she's like uh you know starts like bitching at him about something and then in it, he's like kind of narrating and you hear his thoughts and he's like i just took an unknown drug from a sketchy dude that i haven't seen in years and he's like i just, I just have to get out of here substance. yeah just, that's what he says <laughs> yeah. and then like the lights get a little bit brighter. We kind of get like a zoom in to his brain and like, but, but something about how they set up those visuals 
early like it's it's very subtle it's not like super overt but it's like very very eye-catching and then the way he just like cleans things like i can totally like relate to that like i can't really work in an environment that's like super messy like i like to clean who things can live like this who can live like this that's what he says. oh my gosh you're like a limitless expert <laughs> but I, just, I so i love the like that visual element and then another thing i'm sure you noticed in the show so <clears throat> the character you can one of the like mannerisms that uh, eddie mora has is he does this like yeah kind of he does this like th- just sort of when this like board when he's not on yeah. the drug and that like it's a very very subtle character choice but like once you see it you can't not see it and it's just like such a great way to depict like somebody that's not on nzt and then somebody on nzt is just like clear they're standing up straight and they don't do stupid things like yeah and so awesome like the uh the visual cues like when he's not on nzt it's shot with like it's almost like a blue filter. Like everything looks really like de- drab and gray. Yeah. And then when he's on NCT, all the lights are super bright and it has like a yellow tint over everything. Totally. He's like, he's just more aware of all the visual input around. Give me that him. NZT, exactly. buddy. I want a super brain. Oh my God. <laughs> like this TV show really takes the basics that we loved about the film and expands on them in every way I know that I wanted to see. And one thing that is consistent across the LCU, gross, is that if you have NZT... <laughs> You are a target. The protagonists run across the path of someone that has it. They get a sample, and before you know it, that person's dead, and the protagonists now have a bunch of NZT, and then everybody's after them. So one thing that I thought was really cool was uh, they discussed that NZT gives you access to every idea you've ever had, like any small thought that you had that slipped away. Like I know that feeling so well of things slipping away. When I'm outlining for this show, if I don't stop – Whatever I'm doing and write down a thought, the second it occurs, it will slip away from me. And I always think that these are my thoughts. Like I'll definitely have that one again, but it never happens. Writing these outlines just requires so much dedication. And that's why I do it on my phone. It's like if I have like a thought that I'm like, oh, that is like a seed or an impetus of something. I just like stop and outline like any time. Do you do yeah, that when you're writing I, your outlines? You know, the, the best – I think the best outlines that I have, it's when I – know that I'm going, it's like a show that I know I'm going to talk about. I've thought about it for a long time and I've jotted down thoughts, like you've said, like in my phone. And then I rewatch it knowing that that's like the next outline I'm going to do. But I don't always have the like bandwidth. Like I don't always have the time or it could be, like you said, it's like a 17 book series. Like, I mean, I was lucky that I was able to watch all of undone again before and while working on that outline, I feel like it was pretty well hashed out, but some of my, some of my contentology studies, just, I don't have the ability to, you know, rewatch or revisit or reread the things that I talk about. So I'm kind of left like putting the pieces together from what I remember or doing research online. Oh, so much different because I don't have NZT, buddy. Oh my God. If I did, I would not be, be able a to breeze. write an outline that way. I don't think I'd be able to write it unless I at least consume some of the content again. Yeah. Yeah. How much of this show have you seen? Ah, man, it's been a really long time. I, I probably watched the entire season, but I don't, I, 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 I hate to tell you this, but I feel like I remember it not being as good as the movie and the movie wasn't perfect. There are like some, some weird um like choices in the story and i know that the ending is a lot different than the book and i do feel like the ending 
it feels a little bit like they wanted a feel good Hollywood style ending and it didn't really fit the entire arc of the story. And so that always kind of like bothers me a little bit about the movie. And also I know what they were trying to do with this choice, but what's his girlfriend's name? Do you remember her? In the, or something. Some, yeah, yeah. So Abby. when she like is running from that dude and mm-hmm. she takes NZT and then she grabs a little girl with I hated ice that the skates. first time. Yeah. But the more I watch it, I'm like, no, I mean, what other options she have? You would I do mean, something like that. Because he tells her, it's like, it tells you what to do. You take right. it, then you know what to do. And she's like, there's no way she's going to be able to beat that guy unless you use a kid as a club. <laughs> but a I, I, I realize like what they were trying to do. They were trying to show like, you, you know, she was trying to make the point like you're not yourself on mm-hmm. NZT because you're just doing whatever you have to do to problem solve. And I'd never, she's like, I'd never put a kid, you know, at risk over my own life if I wasn't on NZT. But see, that sets up a cool point because he still thinks that he's the same person. Like he's totally blind to all mm, the bad decision making that NZT mm-hmm. is causing him to make. It's mm-hmm. like the very first thing he says is like, for a guy with a four digit IQ, I must have missed something. I didn't miss much. <laughs> And he missed like so many things. Like he did, he could have avoided the entire plot just by paying Gennady back a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, wouldn't have to drink that like, floor blood. Yeah, he had that in like four days. <laughs> yeah. He just didn't do it because he the way NZT affected him was in such a psychotic manner. So what? Something that his like exes? What it was it? His brother in law that his like yeah. ex's brother that gives him the NZT the first time. He says like it works better if you're smarter. If you're do you think smart. do you think his girlfriend was like smarter or was she just more aware of her blind spots? You talking about the one that hits the guy with the yeah. with the kid? Yeah. I mean, she's clearly smart, but I Slices think slices his face it work, with the it ice does skates. work, but I think yeah. that like she only took it once. So, after taking it, she was planning on never doing it again because mm-hmm. she didn't like what it did to her. Right. You know, but he took it once and then he was like Oh, I just got to get more of that, mm-hmm. you know. Do you think the end, the end of Limitless, the movie, he's on NZT, right? Oh yeah. Okay. You need to watch this show again. Okay. So that side note aside, something I love about the show is that that feeling of anxiety that I felt watching the movie the first time is like virtually non-existent. The show is like a much more fun romp through okay. the world of NCT. Interesting. Specifically because of a plot element introduced by Eddie Mora in the first episode. And I won't tell you what that is. Just know that Eddie Mora is still out there four years later. He's taking NCT despite the side effects and he has a solution to it. Oh, so wow. it really so like, I don't remember it this. It fills yeah. in what seems like a plot hole at the end where they're just like tack on a Hollywood ending and it really leaves like a really good opening. I think about this is basically like Limitless 2 is what this show is. Oh, nice. Well, now I really want NZT if you can take it without side effects. <laughs> yeah, well, be uh could be Brian Finch. When he searches that like apartment, his brother-in-law's apartment and then he finds the big bat. Like as a viewer, you're just like, "Oh yeah. Oh, fuck like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to make good use of that bag." <laughs> yeah. Like the expanded notion of the show allows for also, there's so much creative editing and art direction. Like Brian Finch has a very childlike creativity and playfulness that is, is expressed in these little vignettes, these short little contained pieces in the show that express his different trains of thought when he's compiling data and leaping to conclusions. Like in episode three, they're pursuing a drug kingpin at the FBI. And the show breaks down into almost like this Indiana Jones style segment where the drug lord in question's life is laid out in this 1930s adventure film style. 
or the comic book style thought bubbles popping up over Brian's head when he's imagining scenarios or a gritty, dirty, hairy, early 70s style segment when he's envisioning an FBI takedown. And all three of those things happen in like 10 minutes of each other in the same episode. And let's oh, not forget, interesting. there's a Ferris Bueller's Day homage when uh, Brian decides to skip work one day or his his penchant for making clay effigies of all the important people in his life, all these original artistic touches. And oh, reference, that I vaguely remember, actually. The reference to Necronomicon in the show, too. Did it really? Yeah. So you were bound to love it. Bam. <laughs> Bam. And the movie already had great design and art direction, like so many cool effects, like the infinity zoom that we talked about earlier that's synonymous with visualizing NCT at this point. And also, these glowing vector overlays that appear behind Brian, these algorith- algorithmic formula and diagrams that represent his, the way his brain is processing collating information he's like rain man style yeah nice and then the set design like brian creates these dioramas and these hanging data fields in his office it's like sheets of plastic with individual pieces of data on them to create this overlapping like beautiful mind style see-through collection of notes suspended in the air this guy sounds smart the set design is so awesome and intricate it must have required a full crew of amazing artists and this design would have been so much easier to do in real life if you just had nct (laughs) I'm sure the entire cast and crew were like, God, I didn't. It's very labor intensive. So it was probably too good for network TV. All the is best that, shows Is that why canceled. it got canceled? Dude. I was going to ask. Seems like if you don't fall into a strictly established format, or if you get too creative or artistic with your writing, the general viewing public will punish you for it and your show gets canceled. Like network TV just doesn't have room for stuff this good. It would much rather have like another shitty NCIS or law and order knockoff. Just keep it standard. And I totally hate that about yeah. network TV. It's why we don't usually cover network TV on here. You know, one of the, one of the interesting things I've been thinking about a lot, cause I've been, I've been thinking about community a lot. I've been talking about community a lot. Um, some, and I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about it. Are you familiar with that show at all? I've only watched like maybe the first season from your recommendation. Okay. Did I bring it to the show? Yeah, I did. It was early on, wasn't yeah, it? Really okay. Early. I got to re-listen to that episode. Comedy shows. Oh, for a long it's time. so good though. But the, uh, so Dan Harmon, the showrunner for community, some, one of the things that I learned that was interesting recently was that he was actually trying to emulate old sitcoms like Cheers and Taxi. Is that what, is that what it is? Taxi? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he kind of said like something that he likes about the premise of Cheers is that it's, it like would be sad if you didn't feel like everybody's like family. Like it's like oh, a bunch of people like sitting around in a bar and talking be kind of like a sad plot but it feels like really familial and comfortable and that's like community is like my go-to-bed comfort you know you watch evil dead i watch the office or community like that's what i that's the kind of content i like right before falling asleep asleep. afraid of the dark afraid of afraid of the darkness behind your own eyelids (laughs) (laughs) um but uh uh, I don't know the the so one of the sort of pluses of network TV um, because I do I, I think yeah community started out as network TV and then again it got canceled but then it got back like it got brought back through streaming services um, but network TV will sometimes allow things to like fall into place like the first you know few episodes of community it's like the characters aren't really 
quite gelling that as well as they do later. Starburns. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like sometimes like the relationships, the way that they write the relationships, they'll see like, you know, chemistry between the actors and they say, okay, we're going to shift these characters to better match the chemistry of the actors. You know, you see it with the office, like a lot of network TV is allowed space to improve. And you don't always get that with streaming services these days. Like if it's not immediately amazing, it gets canceled before it's allowed to like find its stride. Yeah. So, but, but you're right there. There is a lot of like network TV show, Firefly. Remember Firefly? Like good stuff gets canceled. Yeah. I don't know. Well, when I was researching why this show was canceled, I came across this article stating that CBS president Glenn Geller said that they didn't feel like the show had quote-unquote connected with viewers in a major way and decided not to renew it. Like, fuck you, guy. <laughs> Sounds like he didn't take his NZT. My God. And then there, I found this comment by I Am a Cannibal on Reddit that stated, <laughs> it got canceled because the first half of the season was only okay which I don't agree with. It didn't get great ratings or a lot of viewers. And then the second half of the season that aired after the cancellation announcement was actually very, very good. It got way better. I just wish they kept making it. See, that's the thing. It got, it, it was, it was finding its stride and then they didn't allow it to continue. Yeah. And this is uh, like, if, if that is true, it makes me hate the bureaucracy of television even more than I ever have before. Like this is a show that deserves to still exist. And unfortunately it does not. Yeah. So, um, I was looking up some ways you get real life NZT effects. Oh. And uh, I found <laughs> the most boring way to get NZT side effects. This is a f- side effect. Wait, side effects. Or, sorry, the most boring way to get NZT effects. Oh, okay. This is from the Man Blueprint blog. So, if you want to have the effects of real life NZT, all you have to do is sleep, rise early, make your bed, read, drink water. Use caffeine tactically, intermittent fasting, meditation, the Wim Hof method, ice baths, and cold showers. So basically, if you're the most disciplined human on the planet with limitless free time to live every moment tactically, you too can achieve the effects of a sci-fi fantasy drug. But yeah, but like <laughs> not really. No, like of only not. Kind of, like you could do all that and you won't learn Spanish in like a week listening to it in the background. You while also you won't go have time to jogs. learn Spanish. You spend time making your bed like an idiot. I see why they didn't make the movie about Eddie Morey doing all that shit. That would not be interesting. So, so I so I actually uh, have been getting into ice baths. Yeah. Have I told you about this at no. all? So this is in Florida. I bought like a package. I've always been kind of interested in it, and I've kind of dabbled in um, like cold exposure, like cold immersion. But this is like one of these tubs that circulates the water. It's 45 degrees Fahrenheit. So I have this room for 45 minutes. I sit in the sauna for 20 minutes. I haven't sent you any of these pictures. No. Oh man, I like every time I'm in Florida, I like I'll I'll do it like once a week or twice a week. And there's tons of effects, uh positive health benefits to cold immersion. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about it. Um the Huberman Lab has like interviewed, you know, like scientists that run these studies and like look at the, you know, they live in that one of the the leading scientists in uh, researching this, I think she's from Finland, like so one of the northern European countries. And there's a big culture of like winter swimming, mm-hmm. like people that are just nuts and like do this because it's just part of it's like a tradition there. And she like she wanted to like look at the benefits scientifically. And we actually do have these brown fat cells like 
they're mostly in our like sternum area and the back of our neck. And so that's what's the most triggered by cold immersion. And then it does all these like hormonal changes in our body. It can convert the bad fat cells, white fat cells into more brown fat cells. But one of the things that I've noticed, and they've like measured this, it increases your dopamine for like long periods of time, like the rest of the day. And dude, I feel it like it getting in is absolutely torture. I have to like talk myself into it. I always feel like this is dumb. Why are you doing this? It's painful. It's awful. And it feels like a base jump. It feels like full commitment. Like, okay, like I'm, I came here to do this. I got to do this. And then you just do it. Uh, it, it, I mean, there's, there's places if you Google it, this one's just in Fort Myers. Mm. So it's like, uh, 20 minutes from where I've been staying and I just like commit to it. I get in. Sometimes I submerge my head for just a, you know, a couple seconds, sometimes not. I usually just get up to my neck and then the guy that runs this place gave me a couple of techniques. You take your fingers and your toes out Mm -hmm. after like 45 seconds as like a reward mechanism to keep yourself from for from from getting out so you can stay in. I think the longest I've stayed in, which they they say it's not really like how long you stay in it. It's more about getting that cold shock response, and then you reach a point where you're like your body really wants to get in, or really wants to get out, and then you overcome that sort of wall. It's like these dopamine walls that you're just like, no, I'm gonna like mind over matter, stay in a little bit longer. So sometimes I can only do it for like a minute or two, and then I get out. I like just stand there for you know 45 seconds i get back in for another minute like i'll do like three dunks but i feel amazing the rest of the day it's a total mood change i totally want something where i can do this on a more consistent basis yeah like i believe in the health benefits and it just feels awesome like it just puts you in a good mood for the rest of the day but it's man it's very painful and unpleasant it like really sucks to get in it but it doesn't suck so much that i don't keep going back because i do I've done cryotherapy where you get into basically like a cold tank. It's not water. It's it's like a, like super chilled air, like mm. negative 125 degrees or something. Oh, my gosh. I was doing that when my neck was hurt last year. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was doing that like in response to my neck being hurt. So I don't think I got the full benefit of like the dopamine rush because I was in so much pain all the time. But um, I definitely like – Almost never I felt that alive. Wow. That sucks. The thing that sucks about it, though, is the place that does it here. Like, their, their practices are so predatory. Like, it, you have to have, like, a subscription, and it's almost impossible to quit it. Like, after wow. after I quit it, because I was like, I'm not doing it enough to have the subscription. I would do it, like, three times a month or something. And then they just kept charging me, and I had to, like, go down there and be like, look, fuckers, I'm not I'm – not, I want to cancel my subscription now. And it was a big problem, which sucks because I really want to have access to that technology. But mm, man, that's you had to like cancel all your credit cards, change your name. Exactly. Yeah. yeah transfer I told my name to was a Brett bank. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what that strange charge was. Yeah, on my exactly. This month. You know, a few real world things, TDCS, which we've talked about here. Oh yeah. Dude. Old school, buddy. The transcranial direct current stimulation. That is, uh, if you guys have never tried that, and if you're kind of freaked out by shocking your brain, you really should not be. You should definitely try TDCS. Like, once you get over the stigma of applying electricity to your brain and realize that all you feel is like a very light tingling on your forehead, 
this is something I believe that benefits most people that try it. Yeah. Like it, it's basically like a flow zone generator. It kind of like quiets your inner voice and like you're second guessing all of your decisions. And it just, I mean, it puts you in the zone where you're just making, you know, depends on what you're doing, but making good decisions based on the scenario and just moving forward, hopefully not in an Eddie Mora type way, but <laughs> I know that like I've done it and gone skydiving or gone to the tunnel. I just feel like, man, like my brain is just like batting a thousand tonight. It's just like feeding up answers of things that I need to do. Did you shock your brain before this episode? Uh, I didn't do it tonight, but yeah. I did it this morning. I haven't done it for a yeah. long time. I've started doing it again recently. And then I, I just ordered uh, a nootropic called Bright Brain, which is a draphanil. So... One of like the they mentioned modafinil in the first episode of the show. Oh, interesting. Which is like apparently as close as to the closest thing to the real life NZT that exists. Which I have a drafinil, which is the pre, it's the precursor to modafinil. So it metabolizes into modafinil in your liver, which you're not supposed to take it very often because it's like you know it's metabolizing in your liver and it could do liver damage if you take it like over and over and over. But I used to use... That doesn't sound good. No. But... Uh, There's I, always side effects. Exactly. Anal leakage. But I used to use Adrafinil when I was doing graphic design. I would use it like, oh, I do got to do a big project and I'll you, I'll take some Adrafinil today. And it's like, it's a totally legal uh, nootropic that you can purchase just, you know, over the counter, online, whatever. But I have some artwork. Maybe I'll share it on the Instagram page. I designed this wingsuit once. They wanted a uh, a wingsuit design that was like a uh, like a dragon, and there are all these techniques that I used after taking a drafanil that I was like I've never even heard of these techniques. I just found them through like quick research, and I created this like amazing piece of artwork that I've never been able to replicate. So wow. I'll, I would definitely attest to there being some like very strong effects with something like a drafanil. But the the thing about it that I've noticed is that. When you take it, you don't really realize that anything is different. You know, like that's one of the cool things about NZT. Cause it's just like, oh, you're definitely in this heightened state. But you don't. I didn't feel that way with a drafanil. But at the end of it, you're like, wow, I wish I could do something like that again. Hmm. You know, maybe I'll share that. I'll share that artwork as one of our uh, Instagram pieces. Do you have any uh, pictures of them like flying in the wingsuit and what it looks like? I never actually seen the wings- wingsuit oh, wow. printed. I just designed it and sent it off and I never saw it again. That's a really cool idea to have a wingsuit. Yeah. A dragon wingsuit. I designed a, co- a f- couple of really cool wingsuits though. Uh, I designed one that was a Sith Lord wingsuit. And oh, I've seen cool. pictures of that one in the sky. It's oh, really that's awesome. really cool. I designed all these cool like Sith Lord like tribal tattoo designs. It's really cool. Kinda like what's makes, his name? Double lightsaber. Uh, yeah, exactly. Darth Maul. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Kind of makes me wish I still had time to do design. You could do an Iron Man wingsuit. Ooh, yeah. If you have any wingsuit ideas, reach out to Are you us. Get a wingsuit. <laughs> I have a wingsuit. Oh, I haven't man. jumped it in a long time. It's just plain gray. Yeah. But I've I've like had a little bit of an itch to like do some wingsuit skydiving. Yeah, I'd like to. I would just need to get entirely new. I basically a new canopy. Yeah. If I was gonna wingsuit. Your stuff is too small. It's way too small. Too high performance. Yeah. Have you ever done any wingsuit skydives? I got like 50 jumps. Oh, wait. I have a crazy wingsuit story. I was this. Did you talk about this on the Fall Risk podcast where like you didn't do your chest strap? Yeah, dude. (laughs) So I had like 50. I I did like 50 wingsuit jumps and uh, I was using barred wingsuit, which 
you know, it's like, oh, and a borrowed rig because I didn't, uh, I didn't have a canopy that was appropriate for it. So I jumped out and anyone that skydives knows that there's like a very wrong way to route your chest strap. So the chest strap has a double back buckle. And if you just go around the outside buckle and then rubber band it down, the, you'll just fall right out of your rig. It's possible. So you have to go around the outside of the buckle and then double back and go up underneath this tension clip and then you rubber band it down. So I jumped out of the plane and I opened up the wingsuit. And when I did, the chest strap just whoop, extended all the way. The only thing that was holding the ch- the the shoulders on my shoulders was like the little nub at the end of the chest strap, you know? And I looked down, I was like, <gasps> and then I like pulled my wings in and I unrouted it completely and then rerouted it right and then whoosh, rubber banded it down and then opened up like, woo, all right, let's go. And then I... I got down and I was like, oh my God, I totally could have fallen out of my rig at like 4,000 feet when I was opening. And it was just, that's why like when there's like skydiving fatalities, I was like, oh, the, the fatality was caused on borrowed gear. It's always something, you know, like that's really common in skydiving fatalities because you're like not familiar with exactly like the gear like how, how long feels, the chest strap is or whatever on yeah you, how to, yeah and that totally almost got me once dude that i that's unfortunately a really common error where like and that'll have like it it happened at this local drop zone in colorado uh not that long ago where somebody i think they were like hanging upside down uh, from their leg straps because they didn't do their chest strap. And then did they die? No, Whoa. no, I think they got hurt. I don't remember the details. I'm sure our mutual friends would know the details, but I think, you know, for months afterwards, there's somebody, um, when you're getting on the jump plane there, somebody's like looking at every chest. Oh, they strap still do and, that to this day. And you should, I like, yeah. you should be always checking your own gear multiple times. You should be checking everybody else's, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And, you know, it's like a very easy mistake to make, but it's like a very fa- potentially fatal. I mean, the check of threes, make. it's like totally a skydiving 101 thing they teach you in AFF, but at the bare minimum, you really should be checking all three buckles to make sure that you can see metal on that tension clip. Because mm-hmm. if not, then, you're, then your straps are routed incorrectly. You want to hear my wingsuit story? Did you my- almost die? No. Oh, then no. <laughs> yeah, tell me. All right. Uh, no, my first wingsuit jump was out of a hot air balloon. And uh, it was from the wingsuit that I bought from Chad Henderson. And then he told me, he was like, and actually my buddy John B, you know him, he jumped my base gear. This was like over 10 years ago when we were used to get into skydiving shenanigans. So he jumped my base gear from like 1,000 feet. I don't know what I jumped the wingsuit from, probably like 5,000 feet, pulled low. But Chad warned me. He was like, you're going to get line twists. Like, this is how you prevent it. This is how you, like, collapse your wings. This is the sequence to, to pull. But you're going to get line twists. And sure enough, I just had, like, tons of line oh, twists. Yeah. Didn't really matter, but it's definitely one of those things where I'm, like, landing out anyway because I'm doing a hot air balloon jump. And it's you're all just, out. like, open. And, like, it's just one just giant line twist, like, multiple times oh, up to the canopy. And, you know, I kicked out of it, but... It was just that was my first wingsuit jump. Dude, wingsuits are crazy. I'd love to have one. Yeah, let's fly, bro. Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's finish this thing up. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. One of the most alluring things about these stories is the idea of untapped potential. Like, it's no surprise that both of these stories, the movie and the show, start with lovable losers that have the desire to be great, just not the motivation. 
And I believe that we can all kind of think of ourselves in this way. Like we all want to be the main character in our own stories, but sometimes we feel like we're just along for the ride. Like we're unsure about our own accomplishments or we have like imposter syndrome or anxiety about our own potential. And these stories are a fantastic escape and something that all but the most narcissistic people would possibly think that they need as well as desire. And this show makes the human brain look like the most amazing and entertaining toy a human could ever ask for. And it really puts into perspective the concept that we as humans could ever be bored. Like the allure of NZT is so powerful that it's easy to discount the horrifying side effects just for a taste of reaching 100% of our capabilities. And that's the real power of this TV show. It offers a true glimpse of that in a way that the movie never did. With more runtime to really explore the intricacies of a life on NZT and a more optimistic protagonist, this one season of television may be the ultimate expression of the Limitless property. Luckily, there are 22 episodes. It's a lot of Limitless content, but not quite enough. So to this series, I will paraphrase something that Robert De Niro's character, Carl Van Loon, tells Eddie Moore at the end of the film and say, Godspeed, sweet little TV show. Your candle has shed a brief but lovely light. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, Josh. Your words. As always, you've massaged my ear holes Ooh. with your words. I can't wait to check this out again. I, You know, a lot of my favorite content, I just wasn't in the right... Like, like it didn't capture me the first time I saw it. And then on repeated viewings, it was like became my favorite content. So I can't wait to revisit this. I actually watched this a long time ago, and I was like, that was pretty cool, I guess, but I didn't remember any details. Uh-huh. But it always was like... Same way the movie is always just kind of like deep down there in the recesses of my brain. The show was too. And so on on this vacation, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to cover Limitless, the movie, for the show. And I started watching it. And then halfway through it, I started watching the TV show instead. And then I was like, oh, well, I was clearly just warming up for the TV show. Because mm. the TV show is like, it is the ultimate Limitless property. And... I do think that if you watched it and it didn't really strike a chord with you before, you probably, like what you just said, you just weren't in the right mindset for it. Because we both love Limitless, and I would I would love to hear your thoughts if you go back and watch this again. Well, you know I will. The same way that I will watch Undone now. <laughs> well, Josh, as always, you uh, bring your A game and you bring the A-plus level content. Um, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Once again to the show, please tell your friends about the show. We, uh, you know, we have a pretty awesome following of fans and we want to get some more. We're greedy like that. Big time. Greedy. Uh, <laughs> so we have an Instagram. It's uh, at, is it the content clearinghouse or just content clearinghouse? The content clearinghouse. Thank you so much, Josh. <laughs> and I run the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take my NCT this morning. Uh, so at the content clearinghouse, you can email us content clearinghouse at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear if, uh, you have checked out any of the content that we recommended on the show, because that is absolutely our goal is to get you obsessed with it too. And we will see you again soon. <laughs>